Imagine the most pivotal moments of your life. Birthday parties, family gatherings, school dances, weddings, funerals. One thing that probably intersects all of those events is music. It's hard to imagine a musicless world. From the playlist in your car to what you play at your house, the score of your favorite movie, or even the relatively generic playlist on repeat while perusing the grocery selections at your local Kroger. Music is sure to be either at the center or the background of your life. Now, is it possible that lurking within those melodies and chord progressions is the Spirit of God? Can we find God in music, or perhaps more aptly, can God use music to find us? That and more on this episode of Conversations at the Springs. Welcome to the very first season of Conversations at the Springs. We are here to dive into meaningful conversations that matter. We exist to love like Jesus, taking hope across the street and around the world. In each episode, we will explore a variety of topics. Join us on this journey as we engage in open, honest, and compassionate dialogue, seeking to inspire and connect with you. Let's embark on a conversation that goes beyond the surface, where faith meets the real challenges of life. Let's talk about it, because every topic is an opportunity to grow together. Welcome back to Conversations at the Springs. This is Episode 3, Finding God in the Music. Throughout the month of February, we'll release two episodes dedicated to the world of entertainment and where one might find God at work in such. My name is Jason Davidson, and I'm an occasional speaker and musician here at the Church at the Springs, a full-time entertainment consumer, as well as an eighth-grade English language arts teacher at Russell County Middle School, both the statement of fact and a prayer request rolled into one. Cat Williams was unavailable for tonight's podcast recording, so I brought in the next best thing, husband, father, nurse practitioner, and somewhat recently minted worship pastor here at the Church at the Springs, Taylor Aaron Gibson. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Phenomenal. Taylor, every single week, I do a weekly check-in with my students at Russell County Middle School, all of them 13, 14, and a couple 15-year-olds here in good old Russell County. Every week, I ask them a random question. And this week, knowing we were going to record this podcast, I ask them this question. On a normal non-school day, how much time do you spend engaged with some type of entertainment? Now, I outlined what that might mean, streaming something, scrolling YouTube, watching videos on TikTok, watching movies, playing video games, listening to music. And I gave them these time frames as parameters, one to three hours, three to six hours, six to nine hours, nine to 12 hours, or 12 plus hours watching some sort of entertainment. If you were to guess, what do you think was the most selected time frame that Russell County students are spending in the world of entertainment. Oh, 12 plus. 12 plus. Actually, that was not the most, but 18.5% of oh, these okay. randomly selected students said they spent over 12 hours doing entertainment. The most selected was three to six hours, okay. which was somewhat surprising to me. If you were to take the same survey, how much time do you think you spend on a normal day watching some sort of entertainment? Okay, so I work approximately 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you sleep I, how long? Five hours. Mm. On a, Probably need more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So 
So during work, about five hours of that is spent on entertainment. Mm-hmm. Just joking. I, I would say <laughs> probably six hours a day. Yeah, that's a, that seems pretty. Three to six hours was that? Was that a? Was that one of the? Three to six hours okay. was thirty point nine percent. The yeah. next highest twenty seven point two six to nine hours. Yeah. So maybe somewhere between that five yeah. and eight range uh, sure. would be normal. And of course, that's non school day. Yeah. Right. So on a non work day, would you say it's about the same? Yeah. When you were a kid, do you think it was higher or lower than what it is now? Um, it was probably significantly lower, just due to the fact that I didn't have a cell phone, a laptop. Uh, we didn't even have cable. So, yeah. Do you think yeah. that number for students will increase as time goes on? Do you see that ever hitting like a uh, plateau? Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be on the up and up. It's, gonna, it's coming up. So, yeah. What was what was entertainment like for you growing up as a kid? Stick and ball. That's it. <laughs> Stick and ball. From Clinton County, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Clinton County. So we didn't have electricity until were... 1992. So, <laughs> no, uh, you know, just normal stuff I had. Uh, so entertainment, generally speaking. In general, yes. Um so we had some video games, Super Nintendo. Um, had a cassette player, like a portable cassette player. Got mm-hmm. like 1995. Like a Walkman. Oh no, and a Walkman. It was mm-hmm. the Walmart brand, whatever mm-hmm. that would have been. Cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we had cassette tapes, Game Boys, Super Nintendo. That was that was, that was how I spent my evenings. So we were approached with this particular topic about finding God in entertainment, and I thought that was relatively broad, especially for the time frame we wanted to have this conversation about. So I really wanted to focus on two key areas of entertainment. The first, this uh, this episode being on music, because music typically intersects a lot of modes of entertainment. You can't imagine a movie without music. You can't imagine even a video game lobby or a YouTube video or TikTok without some sort of accompanying music, and then we'll focus on movies next time. No Pokemon, I'm sorry, Taylor. But for music, I do want to spend some time thinking about, especially for you being a musician, what what role music played in your life growing up? Okay, so my household, there was always instruments laying around. It wasn't uncommon to have a guitar sitting in the living room. Uh, Sunday afternoons after church, my grandpa would be playing the guitar. My dad would be playing a guitar, and then eventually I also would be playing a guitar. It was a way that we kind of connected. It's a way we bonded. We had familiarity there amongst anything else. We had music together, and that was very special to me. Um, As a kid, you know, I liked pop music and and, uh, rap music and all all the musics. Maybe not country. I don't know. My dad was a huge country fan, Rolling Stones. I still can't stand those two things today. So, mm. um, but music seemed, seemed like a way to keep my family together, at least uh, the generations between my grandfather, my dad, and myself. So, yeah. So, your grandpa was a music director. Correct. Yeah. Your dad, one of the first church events I went to when I moved from Louisville to Russell County was an event where Rising Sun was oh, playing. Yeah. Of course, your dad was the lead singer yeah, lead of star. Rising Sun. Lead star so singer. because of that role of music in the church, were you kind of, was it frowned upon for you to listen and or play secular music or music that obviously would be on the radio of the world, so yeah, to speak? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that my parents were strict, uh, you know, beyond any other church kids, parents, but, uh, there were definitely some expectations for me, uh, with music. So when I started learning to play an instrument, I tended to listen to, you know, the hard rock, classic rock stuff. And that's what appealed to me. And then very quickly, my dad came in and was like, Hey, you know, let's pay attention to what we're consuming with the lyrics of these songs and, uh, and the meaning behind them. So, 
Um, there were times when I would have a CD in the CD player and it would be ejected as soon as my dad came in the room for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. So <laughs> I first met Taylor playing music with Taylor and we were playing primarily worship music in church settings. And I forget the song that we were wanting to do, but Taylor's always been extremely gifted at guitar. And we thought for whatever reason, maybe we thought we were cool. I have no idea. But we wanted to do a song that included the lead lick of Sweet Child of Mine from Guns N' Roses as kind of like the interlude in the song, you know. And I think in practice, you did it, nailed it, sounded great. But when it came time to actually perform it in church, you refused to do that. Do you remember that time? I do very well remember that time, yes. Mm-hmm. That was, a, that was a, a core memory, as the kids would say. Yeah. So. so, And that was probably the struggle between playing music in church and yeah. then also liking and listening mm-hmm. and playing music that maybe weren't wasn't suited for church, per se. Yeah. So early on in my teens, I mean, I was listening when I was you know, learning guitar or whatever, I was listening to Led Zeppelin or ACDC or Guns N' Roses. Um, I had a hard time allowing things that I would learn in regards to classic rock and then integrating that into what I was playing on stage. I was very, um, I don't know the word I would use, but I had a high standard for church music uh, and what I would allow myself to be a part of and play. So if it sounded like rock and roll in church when I was 15 years old, I would almost assuredly shut it down. Now that's that you're what a little happened. older than 15, do you look back and think that how has changed silly. at all? Yeah, how silly that was, you know? Yeah. What, yeah. what makes a song, quote-unquote, a Christian or a secular song? What are the parameters for yeah. that, do you think? I think one, uh, you know, one is good and one is... ACDC. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, I, I think I think overall tone and message. You know, we're talking about you know finding God and in in entertainment, and there are songs that are written specifically to God that are, I would say, you know, Christian songs. And um, I always go with the Christian plumber. I always go with the Christian electron or you know electrician, what what have you. But. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there are tones and messages and songs that are specifically towards or for God, and then there are songs that are not. So, yeah. Before we go any further, what do you think we mean by the phrase "finding God"? Finding God in music. Finding God in general. And finding God in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, so I don't know if I'm speaking correctly on this, but I'm assuming at some point in any person's life, whether that be a Christian or not, has experienced some form of love from Jesus mm-hmm. in everyday life. Sure. If it's a friend, if it's music, if it's movies, if it's, you know, some, some way, uh, I think God is trying to communicate with us um, on a subconscious level sometimes, sometimes more, you know, it's more apparent. But um, I, I mean, if we're talking about me finding God specifically in things, sure. uh, it might look a little different, but I think God finds us in, in ways that, you know, we might not... Just anyway. Yeah. How do you think that shows up in music? Oh, man. Well, can I give you a story? Please. Okay. So about four days ago, you know, our kids have been in, on this Beatles kick. Mm-hmm. So I, too, have been on a Beatles kick. Uh, I was driving to work. It's like seven in the morning, and I'm listening to Here Comes the Sun. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. It and is. I've heard it a hundred times. Um, 
But for whatever reason, this morning or that morning, I'm listening to Here Comes the Sun just like I normally would on shuffle. It just kind of came in and I started bawling. I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why. I mean, that song has a specific message, but at that moment, I felt the presence of the Lord mm-hmm. in that song that, you know, was different than the intention of what the Beatles wrote in 1969 or sure, yeah. whatever. Um, so, you know, for me, I can find, you know, there are obviously things that, you know, I think go against God. And, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, unless you're intentional about being against God, God can appear in here comes the sun, you know, or, or whatever, yeah, what have you. Possibly so, in anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Totally. What do you think about the use of Christian as an adjective? Okay, so touch on this. <laughs> Christian music. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes it can be silly and seem silly. Uh, I've definitely known people and bands who have used that to their advantage, you know, mm-hmm. to get shows or or to be on a label or, or whatever. Not personally, but just, you know. Um, I definitely had a season where I was into Under Oath. I know you're familiar with oh, the yeah. band Under Oath. That was probably a, I don't know if we're allowed to say their names in, in public. <laughs> I don't know if we, if we have you a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. Under Oath, Aaron Gillespie, I'm Cease so sorry. Cease Church of the Springs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, you know, that, that music had a title of, like, Christian metalcore or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, it probably wasn't necessarily needing that title. But for whatever reason, those guys deemed it appropriate. And um, I think sometimes, like I said, it can be silly. Sometimes it's very appropriate. But... I'm not, I, I mentioned about, I only use Christian plumbers. Uh, you know, I could care less if you are a Christian plumber, if you're coming you to fix want a my plumber. I want a good plumber. Yeah. Indeed. Well, the, the only problem I have with the use of Christian as an adjective is that Christians are nouns. Yeah. Christians are people. Oh, yeah. And so the only time that I, it really ruffles my feathers is when people talk about the idea of a Christian school, but it could be applied to any moniker, you know, because th- what they're talking about is private versus public school. And of course, I teach at Russell County Middle School, tons of Christians at Russell County Middle School. I would consider it a Christian school. I'm a Christian. I walk into the school, Christian school. So schools can't be saved. Songs can't be saved. You know, people can be saved. And so that's the only issue that I have with that. And so I think that finding it in a song that maybe wasn't even intended for that is totally appropriate. I totally agree. Um, Also... One of the places I felt the Lord the strongest ever in my life in a quote-unquote worship setting was not at a worship event. It was 2008 Phillips Arena at a Coldplay concert. (laughs) And so I I don't know if it was like the unification of everybody. And of course, Coldplay kind of blurs the lines between religious stuff. You know, there's a lot of themes in their music that I think kind of touch on that. But I mean, the presence of the Lord was in that place. I know it was. You know, I've experienced it before. And so... I don't think it necessarily was an agreement with everything the song was saying. It was just this idea of community in that place, in that moment was just, it was beautiful, Yeah, you know, for sure. Do you know that, of course, music in the, in the scripture, in the Bible is pretty much all the way throughout? Sure. Can you tell me, this is your first trivia question of the oh podcast. My goodness. The first person mentioned in scripture related to music. Yes, I Who can. Who is it? David. <laughs> Adam. You're so close. Eve. I don't know if Adam the serpent. ever played. You're close. It's closer to that than oh, David. Okay. Yeah. Genesis 4, it was a son of Lamech whose name was Jubal. Oh, okay. Unfortunate name, but he was the father of stringed instruments. Yes. Even as far back as Genesis 
chapter four. Thank you, and Jubal. of course, yeah, Jubal. Thank you very much. And from there, music starts to play a real role through poetry, through song. The first worship ser- song that we see in its entirety, Exodus fifteen. Do you remember this song mm-hmm. by yeah, Moses' sister? It. I know it, but let's let the people know it. So you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this is after the event where God has led Moses and the people of Israel through the Red Sea. And the sea, of course, crashes down on the ensuing chariots and all of Pharaoh's men. And she sits down and worships the Lord. You know, the Lord's victorious. He has overthrown the rider and thrown them all into the sea. I can't imagine us singing that on a Sunday morning. But it is kind of giving honor and praise to the Lord for what he has done in their lives. That's Exodus 15. I know I spoke on this once at church. Elisha is summoned by kings for a military strategy meeting. And they they tell him what the situation is. We've brought all these guys out in the wilderness. It's desert. Mm-hmm. We have no water. What should we do? And instead of answering any of their requests, he summons a musician. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, they ask you about some sort of strategic question. Why would you summon a musician? And that, it, it speaks to the very presence, I think, that music can create that maybe just words can't. You know, like the the music goes up and like the spirit comes down. It's just like a communication between the heavens. I'm going to read you some quotes. I want you to respond to these. Hans Christian Andersen says, where words fail, music speaks. Mm, what do you think about that? I th- yeah, I agree 100%. What music has spoke to you lately? Ooh, lately? Mm-hmm. So I have like this problem of like integrating new music into the rotation. Uh, I don't do it very often, mm-hmm. so... Your Spotify wrapped is a lot of the same people. Yeah, mm-hmm. every year it's basically the same list. Yeah. Um, so it top top artists are usually like the killers. Mm-hmm. That's that's usually on there. Um I like Will Reagan doing that and mm-hmm. Samuel Lane. Um those are those are great. Um the Beatles have been on it the past or they were on it this year, but sure. Uh yeah. So what about yourself? What 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 are you leaning into? Man, that's a that's a great question. I've been playing a whole lot of artists from the eighties oh, here lately. Nice. I don't know why I've been on a Steve Winwood kick <laughs> yeah. a lot. Phil Collins, yeah, going way back uh, with that. Um, but but it really depends on the season, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, not just necessarily winter, but just what you're going through in life. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, first six, first Samuel sixteen. This is Saul summoning David to play the harp, to play the stringed instrument, to relieve his harmful spirit. What do you think? Is there like a go-to set of music where you're just feeling down, you are just absolutely in a funk that you know, if when I play this, this is going to lift me out of that particular time of my life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have specific playlists for moods. Uh, And I don't always play the songs that will get me out of the funk. I'll yeah. play the songs that relate to the funk that I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, make you feel it more, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe that's just a personal issue, but yeah. So, Indeed. But I do have songs that will that will bring me out of stuff. So. For sure. Here's another quote for you. Music is a moral law. It provides soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and happiness to life and everything. From Plato. Mm. This guy's 3,000 years ago talking about the importance of music. Do you think that's true even now? Somewhat, yeah. 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 Make makes somewhat sense. <laughs> Just like myself. <laughs> this gentleman passed away in his twenties, but he gave us this quote, Jean Michel Basquit, art is how we decorate space, music is how we decorate Tom. 
Yeah. What do you think about that? Man, you were just blowing my mind with these. I wish I wish I'd had them in front of me. <laughs> I wanted I wanted your instant reaction yeah, to these okay, quotes. Okay. Uh, what about this one? Zephaniah three seventeen, very famous um, word about how the Lord is interacting with His people, with Israel, and the prophet declares that the Lord rejoices over you with singing. Mm. What do you think that song sounds like? Probably low drones. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, you know, I I I think that. God is probably super musical. I mean, he would have to be to create uh, people who are so drawn to music and, and uh, you know, I don't know what that song would sound like, but I imagine that the message is probably super sweet and uh, uplifting and encouraging. And almost get the vision of like a mom mm. singing over her baby yeah. at night, you know, just yeah. very soothing, comforting. Yeah. That's the kind of the vibe that I get, especially the prophet is speaking to a people group who has been exiled, coming back home, mm-hmm. you know, a welcoming sort of song. And I just, uh, I love that image of the Lord singing over his people. Paul tells the Christians to be filled with the Spirit of God, be filled with the Spirit that is in Ephesians 5.18. Mm-hmm. 5.19 is a continuation of that same of that same sentence. And the first thing that comes out of being filled with the Spirit is singing songs, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So an indication that a person is filled with the Spirit is also that they're filled with music. Have you found that to be true in your life? Oh, for sure. So I can't, I, you know, I can't think back to any specific time, but any time things are going well, I'm whistling or humming. or I mean, I think that goes for most people. You mm-hmm. know, when we're filled with the Spirit, nothing... I don't know. It's hard to contain, you know, those feelings. So the only way that we can maybe satisfy that communication that we need to, we don't have words or whatever we have tunes for. And so, yeah. Sure. The longest by verse book of the Bible, of course, the book of Psalms mm-hmm. recorded hymns. Sol- the word solo in Greek means to strike. So it's, it's an instrumental song. Okay. The hymn, of course, is word. That's the word. I mean, the spiritual songs really deal with primarily bringing forth praise and honor unto the Lord. And so, like, for example, Matthew 26, the disciples sang a song and went out after Passover. That's the spiritual song that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And more than likely, probably one of the Psalms. Do you find yourself ever, I know you play a lot of music, do you write any music? Uh, yeah, I try to all the time. It's not always successful, but you know, um, it may be one of the more difficult things in uh, life to do Yeah, um, to write something good, to write something good that satisfies me. Sure. Uh, now I could write it and you might think that it sounds great, mm-hmm. but, uh, cause usually if I'm writing a song, I have a, sp- a specific purpose. Um, I have, you know, some emotion that I'm trying to convey to everybody about some thing. So to do that. Tactfully and sufficiently is very hard to do. No doubt about it. It's kind of interesting because music has been such an integral part of the spiritual experience, our relationship with the Lord. It seems like since he created humans Mm -hmm. from Genesis and then all the way to Revelation, he talks about people singing a new song and people like heaven filled with music. So from beginning to end, music is intertwined all the way throughout. And yet it's used by the enemy or has been in our lives Mm -hmm. to be a source of division especially within the church. Why do you think that's the case? 
Hey everybody, my name is Taylor Evans. I get to be the senior pastor here at The Springs. And I just wanted to take a second to invite you all to be a part of The Springs. If you don't have a church home, we have service every Sunday at 10 o'clock. We also have our Celebrate Recovery meeting on Sunday evening starting at 5.15. And we do our children and youth activities on Wednesday nights. And so we'd love to have you be a part of that. Or if you're not in our local area, we'd love to have you be a part of our online community. We have several people that worship with us uh, through our online services, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've enjoyed some of the ministry of our church, I want to invite you all to our website at thespringsky.com where you can give to support not only this, but all of the ministries and all that God is doing through the Springs. And I want to be clear what I'm talking about here. So I grew up, mm-hmm. I'm about 10 years older than Taylor, yeah. right? 10 yeah. So we're kind of like split generation. Yeah. So I grew up, I was born in 1980. Grew up in a church where it was very traditional, mm-hmm. sang a lot of gospel songs, had maybe just a just a smattering of hymns, but whenever like Keith Green came out, and um, you know there was this alternative Christian movement in music, like the people that I went to church with tried to shut that down almost immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And then I would say that that was not an uncommon experience for folks in church in the '90s and early 2000s, where there was almost like this war between different types of music. Why, why do you think there's such a division over something that's supposed to really bring glory to the Lord and bring us together? That's a really good question that I wish I had a really good answer for. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I remember when I started playing kind of more seriously in churches, mm-hmm. um, my grandfather, as we've already said, was a song, a, the music director of the church I grew up in. And it was mostly hymns and, you know, gospel tunes and, uh, so I would lead, you know, some some song that was pop punk or something, and I would do like an acoustic version or whatever at church. And then I remember one time, or I, I don't know if he actually said this to me or said it just like around me, but it got back to me. It was like, that's a good song with a good message, but, you know, God wrote the hymns. He wasn't writing the songs that I was singing, so... So I don't know where that idea comes from, that God's limited to this time frame and this genre, uh, but that, that disappoints me more than just about anything in the church that I've encountered. Do you think he cares at all about genre? God? No, I don't yeah. think so. No, you can be playing, uh, what's the, uh, I don't know, reggae or something. I don't know. I, don't, I, I think that if you can find some connection uh, to communicate with God through music, I don't think genre limits that at all. So um, Norwegian death metal, I don't know, might be in the running. But We used to go to a music festival called Cornerstone mm-hmm. out in a farm in far western Illinois. It unfortunately shuttered, I believe, in like 2012. But they had all types, and it was a Christian music festival, yeah. if I could use that in quotation marks. Um, but they pretty much try to cater to every style, every preference, every genre that existed. And I can remember the first time that we went hearing some of these folks like 95 Theses from Mm -hmm. Lexington, I mean, just super hardcore metal, and to the point where you really couldn't understand what anybody was saying. They were up in the mic growling, you know, I mean, it sounded very visceral and just like, what in the world is this? But those individuals, when they had the audience attention... And they had a moment to share why they did what they did. They were by far the most sincere individuals about Mm -hmm. their love for the Lord 
and why they were doing this to reach young people and so on and so forth. Whereas you might be, you know, disappointed to know about the activities of some of the folks that made it on mainstream Christian radio. Toby Mac. I'm just joking. Catching no strays, Toby yeah. Mac. No, uh, also a cease and desist I'll from using Toby Mac. to Max that Max. is, you know, so I had that season where I listened to hardcore music and that made Christianity cool again, you know? So that was one good thing about, you know. Uh, there was a time where they probably did hardcore metalcore better than any, any of yeah. the artists that were doing oh, it at the time. Real, yeah. O Sleeper, mm-hmm. uh, I Sleepwalker. Yeah. I mean, they were just uh, the All Devil the Wears Prada. <laughs> yeah, the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> Everybody's asleep. Yeah. No. They, they were excellent at what they yeah. did, and they also happened to be Christian. Yeah. yeah. And so they were, by far and away, probably not welcomed in a lot mm-hmm. of church settings, and yet they didn't care. They were yeah. out still doing their thing, you know? So I think genre, I think I agree with you, that doesn't really matter to the Lord. It's yeah. just more of a personal preference thing. Yeah. And the enemy will use it, unfortunately, to say, now, oh, no, this is the real yeah. music that we should right. be playing. This is what we should, really should be listening to. And maybe that's totally made up just to create division in oh, the church. Yeah. It's just like anything else. Sure. You know? I mean, the church is divided in so many ways, and a lot of ways we come together, but... I mean, there's a lot of things that separates this place from the next place. And yeah, music's no different. So. No doubt about it. Now, uh, as we start to wind down a little bit, I wanted to kind of separate from music that we find the Lord in because when, I mean, we've been following Jesus for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea of finding God in entertainment, in music, in movies seems to suggest that individuals don't know him yet. And they're probably not necessarily going to be listening to. Kayla, they're not going to be maybe darkening the doors of a church. Are there songs that you have heard that's maybe out in the world that you think can maybe reach people that the Lord would use? Like you said, Here Comes the Sun, uh, from, that's a George Harrison song, but obviously from the Beatles. Other songs that maybe kind of match biblical narratives, thematic structures, or maybe point people to the Lord that yeah. maybe it would be surprising to folks. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a hard time just off the top of my dome thinking of a song, but I mean, I, I listen to the killers and I know I've already said that they were on the top, but they're always, it's always some theme of Jesus. And I, you know, I think they're more Mormon than they were, anything. They grew yeah. up Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of, of biblical themes in their, in their music. Um, but I think more importantly it, for people who are, you know, unfamiliar to Christianity or mm-hmm. whatever, um, I mean, you have this boom of people who claim Christ and for whatever, you know, good or bad, Kanye West, Justin Bieber, or whoever, um, you have these people who, you know, that other people might follow just because they might follow into Christianity just because they proclaim that at one point. And then maybe that sets uh, the ball rolling to explore deeper beyond Kanye West or Justin Bieber or whoever. Yeah. Um, but specific songs, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but um, I mean, there are plenty of artists that uh, I'll use this band and I don't, you, you remember, do you remember Manchester Orchestra? Of course, yeah. Like 80% of their songs involve, um, you know, being a sinner, talking to God, praying, asking for help, and uh, I say a high percentage, but. Several several songs point to that. Anyways, uh, it's out there. I mean, 
So if you listen to those bands, it's it would be undeniable that you wouldn't at some point pick up some idea of how it worked, yeah. even if that's not the message of the song. I like how the Spirit of the Lord can grab on to something mm-hmm. that maybe is a fraction of what the Lord really wants to do in your life, but it kind of gets your foot in the door of investigating more mm-hmm. about God. And so we were talking about this the other day in our Holocaust educator group. Where's the first place that you heard about the Holocaust? And for most people, they said it was probably in a movie mm-hmm. as a kid watching yeah. a movie. And maybe possibly the movie was not 100% historically accurate. Maybe it wasn't exactly the message that individuals at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum would want to present about the Holocaust. But the good thing about that is that it turned people on to learning more mm-hmm. about the Holocaust. And I think that's probably true even for some of the songs and the artists that you're mentioning, that it just is mentioned. And even if it's in a derogatory way or it's in like a way that's maybe mocking Christianity, mm-hmm. the Spirit can still even use something along those lines to say, let me investigate that to see if it's true, because something within me just said, I don't think that that's right. Yeah. And so I think there are a lot of songs about that that can really reach out to folks. 2021's Pressure Machine by The Killers oh, yeah. is a totally great album yeah. in regards to someone trying to grapple with Christian faith in a small community. Uh, last year, Young the Giant with the song The Walk Home, excellent song. I mentioned Steve Winwood, Higher Love. If that's not <laughs> yeah. about the Lord, I don't know what it is. You too, I still haven't found what I'm looking oh, for. Great, Tom yeah. Petty, I Won't <laughs> Back Down. Say It To Me Now by Glenn Hansard. I found this song by John Mayer just about two months ago. I'd never heard it before. It's called In the Blood. Um, It's about basically how much influence our parents and our circumstances have over our life. Uh, Will it wash out in the water? Is it always in the blood? And it just reminded me of like the struggle between who we are as people, our flesh, and what the Lord can do in our lives. Roll Away Your Stone, that whole album by Mumford & Sons. Uh, Stand By Me by Ben King. Come on. Uh, We we were at the John Mark McMillan show where he just introduced Stand By Me to one of his songs. It was probably one of the more powerful moments in the whole concert. The Fray was one of those bands that were like just sort of Christian. You You found me. Who's the you there? And then, of course, my favorite album probably of the 2000s, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me by Brand New. Yes. They wrote a song simply called Jesus Christ where Jesse Lacey is writing a song really about his questions for Jesus. So obviously not, once again, (laughs) you're not going to put that in the pages of Scripture, but maybe someone who is 17, 18, 19 years of age, they hear someone like that having the same doubt, the same uncertainty, the same questions presented in a song, and they think, huh, maybe I should investigate Mm -hmm. that a little further. What do you think? Um, Closing thoughts here about, about music. What would you recommend... If someone were to say, they listen to this podcast, and they're like, hey, I really want to investigate something new in the music realm that really connects with the Lord, what would you recommend? First thing that comes to your mind. Oh, I really enjoyed John Mark McMillan. That's, I mean, that's a go-to. Samuel Lane, uh, Josh Garrels, um, Josh Baldwin. Who else we got? Will Reagan, I said that. I got to give my man Ben Christ a shout out okay. because their first album, The Glorious Unseen, yeah. they actually performed at this church in 2010. It's the first time I ever heard How He Loves. They did, of course, John Mark had revealed that at that Nashville event yeah. like the year prior. And that whole album, from front to back, may be one of the best worship albums I've ever heard in my life, Ascend the Hill. 
If you oh, like yeah. uh, hymns and you want to hear it in a fresh way, because hymns are the theologically most rich songs that we have, yeah. bar none. I mean, they absolutely are on point right. with scripture and theology. And Ascend the Hill pretty much took those old hymns, The Love of God, and just took them to like, I mean, they ascended the hill yeah. in that regard, <laughs> but they were absolutely unreal. And I would say uh, I like the Torwalts, Brian right. and Katie yeah, Torwalt, right. all Bethel. Yeah. people. Any closing thoughts, Taylor? My closing thoughts are that regardless of where you are at in life, music is one way to process emotion, to speak to the father, um, to clear your head, uh, regardless of what genre you fit into. I think music is great therapy and a great way for us to communicate to God. So I do it. That's, it's the best way I know how to do it. And, um, I'll probably keep on doing it. Absolutely, yeah. I think that music is one avenue, one way that God is trying to reach you. And that's the key, that regardless of what it is, some sort of art, a relationship in your life, the local church, every single bit of it is trying to communicate one powerful, simple truth is that God is madly in love with you. Music is just one way that we try to show the love of Jesus. That's our mission here at the Church of the Springs, taking hope across the street and around the world. We'll see you next time on Conversations at the Springs, where we'll investigate finding God in cinema. And Taylor will talk a whole lot about Jurassic Park. Thanks for listening. <laughs>